Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. So today we're going to continue our series that we started last week called Devoted, right? And so last week we talked about what it meant to be fully devoted followers of Jesus and not just fans. And unfortunately, you know, the church is full of fans today, right? A fan is somebody that just shows up on game day. They put their jersey on game day, but followers are those that are invested in the operation, those that, that are invested, that are that are sold out, that just don't show up on Sunday and, and just consume, but they are contributors. So if you wanna, if you wanna, if you wanna find out where you're at, if you're a follower or a fan, a a fan is someone who, who consumes. A follower is someone who contributes. So I'm just going to throw that out there, right? And so last week, we, we learned that Jesus called us to not be fans, but to be followers, to not be consumers, but to be contributors, right? And, and why is this so important? And, and here it is. Here's the baseline, the thesis for this sermon series is because living a fully devoted life to Jesus is the key to accessing all that God has for you. How many of you know that God wants you blessed? How many of you know that God has amazing things for you? What did Jesus say in John 10, 10? He said, I have come so that you can have life and life more abundantly, right? And, and see, a lot of us have been living on the baseline of provision. See, provision comes by, by a posture of position, right? It, it, it comes through, through position. It comes through relationship. Just like your son and daughter, whether they behave or misbehave, you still feed them dinner right? You still give them lunch money, right? Because provision is not based on performance. It's based on position, right? You still give them a place to sleep. I know sometimes you want to kick them out of the house. I get that, right? Um, I, I understand that. But at the end of the day, you have a moral responsibility, right, to, to provide their basic needs. And you as a child of God, wherever you're at in your walk, wherever you're at in your faith, you have access to the provision, not based on your performance, but based on your position, based on your relationship. But Jesus came and he said, I want you to go from provision to abundance. I want you to live a blessed life. That's why I came. I left all of the amenities and the luxuries of heaven so that you could have access to the abundance of the kingdom, not when you get to heaven, not when we, we, we get into eternity, but we can have it here and have it right now. How many want the abundant life right now? And for so long, the church has talked about one day going to heaven, and one day it's going to be like this, one day. But Jesus came, and he said, I came so that you could have life, and you could have life more abundantly. God wants you blessed, just like you want your kids to be blessed. How many of you want your children to be blessed? Isn't, isn't that the desire of more, most parents that their kids would accomplish and, 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 and obtain more and have more than, than you did, right? Isn't that, isn't that what we all want? And I believe that that starts from the heart of God. That's what God wants. God wants us to be blessed. And that's why Jesus came so that you could have an abundant life so that he can take you from provision to abundance. Provision is just enough. Abundance is more than enough. Are you with me? 
So, so the key to accessing all the abundance that God has for you is living a fully devoted life. And this is the promise that God made to Joshua. And it's a principle that we can apply. Joshua 1.7, when he was about to take his, his leadership position to lead the children of Israel, Moses had just died. He's now going to assume the, the responsibility for leading his people into the promised land. He says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you do not deviate from them turning either to the left or to the right then you will be successful in everything you do wow what a promise right if you fully obey you will have success right and see that is a principle that that we can we can apply right and God promised that to Joshua he said if you fully obey my instructions see God was talking about the law God was talking about what you and I know today as his word and he told Joshua that if you fully obey that if you not deviate right if you do not try to do things your way and you continue to walk in my will walk in my word and walk in my way I'm I'm gonna cause you to be successful I'm going to cause you to prosper in everything that he would do right and and what don't you want to be successful and prosper in everything that you put your hand to do well that's the key is fully obeying God's word right and, and so the Hebrew word for prosper using this verse is sakal which means to be prudent to wisely understand and prosper. So that word that's translated successful in, in the Hebrew means to be prudent, to wisely understand and prosper. See, there is a connection between wisdom and prosperity. There is a connection between wisdom and prosperity. And when we get into God's word and we obey God's word, we become wise. And then once we become wise, what happens? We begin to prosper. Remember, because of, of, of him being a fully devoted, uh, God gave King Solomon the opportunity to ask for anything that he wanted, right? And, and this was Solomon's moment. God said, I have seen your heart. You have honored me you have obeyed me right and he said I'm gonna give you whatever you want and what did Solomon ask for did he ask for money no did he ask for fame no did he ask for influence no what did he ask for he said God give me wisdom and the Bible says that because of his wisdom, that Solomon became the wealthiest man in the world. In fact, most Bible scholars say that if they would calculate Solomon's wealth in terms of today's economy, he would still be considered the wealthiest man in the world. Not because he asked for money, but he asked for wisdom. He has to be prudent. He has to be able to discern, right? And, 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 and so there is a connection between wisdom and wealth, right? And, and let me just put this out there. There's nothing wrong with desiring to be wealthy. Right? There's nothing wrong. It's the motivation why you want to be wealthy is where it becomes wrong. See, the Bible doesn't say the love of money is the root of, or money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money, right? It's the motivation of the heart that, that, corrupts, that corrupts the heart, right? So there is a connection between wisdom and wealth. What is wisdom? Wisdom is power. Wisdom is power to prosper. Some have said that information is power, but how many of you know you can know something 
right? But not know how or when or even when to apply it, right? You, you can know, like all of us know that we need to lose weight. We need to eat better. That's not power. It's when you begin to apply it that knowledge or information turns into wisdom and then that begins to take effect in your life. So power is the ability to know when and how to apply that knowledge. And so that is what wisdom is. And so God is telling Joshua, if you want to prosper, if you want to be wise, if you want to succeed in everything you do, then what do you have to do? You have to fully obey my word. And so God is calling us to be fully devoted followers, right? To, to a greater life of devotion. So devotion requires obedience. You will never be fully devoted unless you fully obey. Obedience is the genesis of devotion. That's where devotion starts. Obedience is the genesis. It's the beginning. It's, it's the foundation. Unless you determine in your heart to obey God's word, you will never be a fully devoted follower. So obedience is where it starts. In fact, look at what Deuteronomy 28, uh, 1 and 2, and this is one of my favorite passages of scripture. It says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep some of his commandments, that I'm giving you, that's not what it says? Oh, I'm sorry. Isn't it funny? But that's how some of us like to interpret it, right? We want to we wanna pick and choose which ones we like and which ones we agree with, right? But the promise of prosperity comes when we fully obey. He says, if you fully obey the Lord and keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. So provision comes through the posture of position, but blessing or abundance comes through using the keys through our obedience, right? Our obedience. So there is a connection between our obedience and our blessing. And the, and the reality is the, the, the reason that most of us are not living in the fullness of God's blessing on our life is because we're not walking in full obedience. We, we, we want to pick and choose. And so obedience to God's word brings wisdom and wisdom brings the blessing. Remember what I said, the blessing on your life is what causes you to prosper. The car is not the blessing. The bonus is not the blessing. The raise is not the blessing. The house is not the blessing. All those came to you because you are blessed. Blessing is a mantle that you carry that provokes you or causes you to prosper. See, when you have the blessing of God on your life. It doesn't matter where they put you. It doesn't matter where they place you. They can put you in a pit, you will be blessed. They can put you in the prison and you will be blessed. It doesn't matter. See, when you are blessed, they can talk about you. They can backbite you. They can isolate you. They can typecast you. They can try to blackball you. But when you have the blessing and the mantle of God on your life, it doesn't matter where they put you. You're always going to succeed and you're always going to be prosperous. 
Joseph is a perfect example. It didn't matter where they put him. They put him in a pit and he was blessed. They put him in the prison and he was blessed. He was blessed in Potiphar's house and he was blessed in the palace. See, when you fully walk in obedience with God and you put on this mantle of identity and you begin to walk in it, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter all of the extrinsic circumstances, what's going on in the job market, the real estate market, the stock market. It doesn't matter what's going on when you have the blessing of God in your life you have to prosper I've shared with you uh, uh, my, 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 my experience years ago when I had the opportunity to meet Pastor Rizcache from Guatemala, Almolonga, Guatemala which was one of the poorest communities they were, they were so, so poor. Their, their soil, their, their, their soil was, was, was corrupted. Their soil was contaminated. They couldn't live off of the land. Their water was contaminated. They, they had no way or, or no means of, of producing. But God brought revival to that small city of about 20,000 people where everybody got saved. Everybody was saved. Everybody was a believer. They had no more jails. They had no more police officers officer because the whole town was saved and you know what happened in that place that they said would never produce they began to grow in fact they began to produce fruits and vegetables that were so big that it became a huge testimony all over the world It was crazy. And, and I remember, you know, having a conversation with him. And, and he was saying, and, and he would talk about miracles like we talk about the weather. And I remember just sitting there, like the 38th person that was raised from the dead in our ministry. And I'm like, 38. The, I, I mean, just, just look at this. The, the blessing of God was so great that it caused the... the the, the shamanes, the, the, the witch doctors, the indigenous witch doctors, they went and they into, intentionally poisoned La Pastora. They poisoned the pastor's wife. She ingested poison. But the blessing of God was so, so great on her that she started throwing up. And she started throwing up. And she was throwing up organs. It was so bad. And all it did was produce brand new organs in her life. She went to the doctor. They said, you have the insides of a 15-year-old. In a place, and, and, and the blessing of God was so great that National Geographic sent the team to figure out why they were producing these enormous vegetables. You can Google it. You can find it on Facebook and YouTube. You can, they're all over the internet pictures. Mangoes is big, pumpkins is big, heads of lettuce that look like bowling balls. And they went and they wanted to figure out why this land was producing. And you know what they came away with? That it shouldn't produce. It's still contaminated. But that's what the blessing of God provokes on your life. It doesn't matter where you are, you will always prosper. And, and so the, the blessings of God are for followers and they're not for the fans. So let's define obedience because I know that we, we, we want to be very technical, right? So, so what is obedience? And, 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 and I'm going to give it straight here. Obedience is doing what God says, how he says, and when he says. That's the bottom line, doing what God says. So when, when he tells Joshua, if you fully obey, and then he tells Israel in Deuteronomy 28, fully obey the Lord and keep all the commands, what he's saying is that you have to do what I say, how I say, 
and when I say. And the problem is that most of us that are fans, we want to negotiate the terms. God requires 10% of all of your increase. And we want to say, God, I'll give you five, take it or leave it. Because 10%, that's a whole lot, right? But it's not just doing what he says, but it's doing it how he says and when he says, right? That's what obedience is. And, and so fans want to negotiate the terms. We, 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 we become what I call Burger King Christians, right? What is the whole, the, the whole uh, media campaign of Burger King that you can have it your way? I don't know. There's like 350,000 ways that you can eat a Whopper, right? And you go to Burger King and you can have it your way with jalapeno, without jalapeno, with cheese, without cheese, with bacon, without bacon. And you have all of these options. But I'm here to tell you that the kingdom of God is not Burger King. You can't have it your way. It's his way. It's not even his way or the highway. It's his way or no way. It's his way. And so obedience is doing what God says, how he says, and when he says. And so the difference between a fan, a fan wants to pick and choose what we agree with, what we, we want to pick and choose what we like. We, we, we want to we, we wanna have it our way. But a follower says, just yes, Lord. If that's what you want, a follower says, not my will, but your your will be done. If you ask for 10%, God, I'm willing to give you that and more. If you ask for the first fruits, I'm willing to give you that and more. If you ask for 21 days in fasting, God, I'm going to give you that and more. See, because a follower is not questioning. A follower just says, yes, Lord, your will, not my will be done. So devotion requires obedience. The second thing is devotion also requires priority. To be fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, God and his will and his kingdom have to be a priority in your life. See, obedience is where devotion starts, but priority is where devotion shows. This is, this is, this is where, where, where the rubber meets the road. This is where you walk it out, right? Your obedience is where it starts, but your priority is where it shows. See, the problem with a lot of parents, the reason that your kids don't want to come to church is because they don't see God as a priority in your life. You're saying that God is important, but we always have something else to do rather than go to church. Now, I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the other churches in the city because I know you guys aren't like that, right? But let me tell you, in other churches, there are people that are on the monthly plan. There are people on the bi-monthly plan. And then we have people on the quarterly plan. And then we have people on the annual plan every Christmas and Easter. Right? And, And they wonder... Why isn't my son or daughter devoted, right? Because your son or daughter, your children are seeing that there's, there, there's, there's a conflict in your devotion. There's a conflict between what you say and what you're demonstrating. There's a conflict, and there's a conflict in what you say you do and what you're demonstrating, right? And, and so devotion, obedience is where devotion starts, but priority is where devotion shows. This is, this is where you, you truly show, you know what, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And so the devotion is defined by someone who is loyal. Devotion is defined by dedication. Devotion is defined by ardent affection and, 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 and zealousness. In fact, Jesus in Matthew 6.33 gives us what I call a priority mandate for his followers. This is what he says. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. This is a priority mandate. What what he's saying, that 
your provision and your blessing will be activated when you put my kingdom first. When, 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 when you make me a priority, when I am the number one priority in your life, when, when God is a priority in your life, and he says all of these things, you, 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 don't, you don't have to worry about all of these things because he starts that passage, he starts that narrative by saying some people are worried about what they will eat, what they will wear, you know, where they will live, but you don't have to do that. If you seek me first, what he's saying is that if you make me a priority in your life, you're not going to have to worry about anything. I'm going to take care of you. And the problem with most of us, the reason that we're not walking in the fullness of his blessing, the fullness of his abundance, is because we haven't made him a priority. Because we're still fans. We're still just putting the jersey on on Sunday. We're just showing up on, on game day. We're consumers and we're not contributors. And the kingdom of God is not for consumers. The kingdom of God is for contributors, those that are serving, those that are giving, those that are part of, of, of the mission, those that are loyal, that are dedicated, that, don't, that, that aren't always looking for an excuse not to go to church. You're looking for an excuse to go to church. Oh, man. A lot of people are looking for an excuse not to go. I know people that are looking for an excuse to go to church. Being fully devoted, right? So, so devotion, uh, uh, priority is where our devotion shows. So Jesus here sets a clear expectation of what our priority should be as fully devoted followers. He says, seek first. Then you won't need to worry about anything. But most of us have it all wrong. We worry first and then we seek second. But he's saying seek first, right? Why? Because what's first matters. I, I love what Pastor John Hagee from Cornerstone Church in San Antonio says in his teaching on the principle of first fruits. He says, putting God first in your life establishes his lordship. If he is not first, he is not Lord. If he is not Lord, there is no blessing, no favor. There can be no true prosperity in your life if you have chosen to put something else before your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to be first? First means preceding all others in time, order, and importance. And so the challenge for us at Access Church this year in 2023 is to be fully devoted followers, to let God not just fully walk in full obedience, but make God a priority, right? Not looking for church excuses not to go, not to contribute, not to be a part, but putting all things in in in. In, in, in first, in, in, in time, in order, and importance. In fact, our God, the creator of the universe, desires, and I could say that he has an expectation that he should be first in your life. See, if God is in your life, but he is not first, then he really isn't in your life. I'm gonna say that again. If God is in your life, but he is not first, then he really isn't in your life because God will not take second place. God is not going to be your runner-up. He's not going to take second place. The minute that you edge him out, the minute that you edge him out, God steps out of the way and says, okay, you're letting me know that you don't want me in your life. You're letting me know that you don't want my hand of favor, my hand of blessing, my hand of protection. See, you just can't have God as a part of your life. He has to be 
the Lord of your life. And he has a right to be first. Why? Because he loved first and he gave us first, right? God will always model what, what he expects. In fact, Exodus 23, he says, you must not have any other God but me. He tells that from the beginning. He's like, we're entering into this covenant relationship and let's establish this right away. You cannot have any other God. In other words, nothing else can be more important in your life. You know, I, I've seen parents here, especially in, in, in Eagle Pass and in Del Rio, parents will travel all over the state. They'll pay whatever they need to pay to take their kids to basketball competitions, cheer competitions, softball competitions. But the moment we say we're going to outpour, why is it so expensive? Are we going to pay that? And I'm looking at your kid wearing $150 tennis shoes to play basketball. He's a little five foot two Mexican. He's not going to the NBA. I hate to break it to you. I, I, I hate to burst your bubble and, and, and be the bearer of bad news. He's not going to be in the NBA. I know you think he was, but he's not. And there you are driving all over the state, investing all kind of money. Why? Because he's a priority. And don't get me wrong. Sports and athletics, extracurricular, extracurricular activities are a priority. They are important. But nothing should be more important than God. I know people that disappear during softball season, people that disappear during basketball season. Pastor, once basketball season's over, we'll be back in church. I was like, I'm hoping the rapture doesn't happen before then. Because then we'll see each other. If not... We won't. But God has to be a priority. See, God means loves or passions, right? When he says, you must not have any other God but me, means love or passions. See, God doesn't mind you loving, but he does mind if you love something more than him. We must put God first. So obedience is where devotion starts, but priority is where our devotion starts shows when we truly live it out and put God first in our life, first in every area. So one of the most powerful keys, remember we said the keys of the kingdom grant you access, right, to the blessings of the kingdom. Provision comes by the posture of position, right? But the blessing of God is activated when you use the keys that God gives you. Now, one of the most powerful keys that we have available to us is the first fruits offering. Fasting is a powerful key. And, and I believe that there are three keys that, that should be practiced in the life of every believer. Giving, a life of generosity, praying, and fasting. There are other keys, serving, giving, serving, and, and worshiping. Those are the keys. But I have come in and in, 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 in my life, in my experience over, you know, being part of the church and in ministry for 30 years, I, I've seen that if you give, if you pray and you fast, everything else is going to be aligned in your life. You're going to serve and you're going to worship, right? So the, one of the most powerful keys that we have available to us is the first fruits offering. So like I said, here at Access Church, we believe that we take a whole week's salary, and we give it to God. And I'm like, Pastor, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And, and I'm thinking, you have 52 weeks in the year. 
God gave you everything and you can't give him one week? What is the blessing and the favor of God on your life worth? Think about that for a moment. And each key will grant you access to different things. Just like you need a car key to get into your car, a house key to get into your house, each key gives you access to different things, right? So if you use your house key, you get into your house. I could stand in front of my house all day and do this. And guess what? It's not going to unlock. Why? Because it's the wrong key. There's not a universal or a skeleton key for the kingdom of God. Each key grants you access to different things. So there are some of us, you're like, why are they so blessed? Because maybe they're using more keys than you do. Maybe they're showing up at 8 on Sunday while you're still eating menudo or fighting the covers, right? And so this key of first fruits, look at Look at what the word of God says. Leviticus 23, 9 and 10 says, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He doesn't say if you feel like it, if you agree with it. He's saying, When you get into the land that I give you, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits. Now, the feast of first fruits was one of the seven feasts that God instituted himself for his people. Each one of the feasts had a specific purpose to make remembrance, to teach, and also to activate blessing on his people. And the concept of first fruits is rooted in biblical times when people lived in an agrarian society. We no longer live in an agrarian society. We no longer are agriculturists. Well, some of us might be here, but, but most of us aren't. And harvest time was significant because that was when the hard work of the people that had poured into their crops and working the fields all year began to pay off. They were literally reaping whatever they sowed. So God called his people to bring the first yield, the, the, the first harvest, the first fruits from their harvest to him as an offering. And this was to demonstrate the Israelites' obedience. Remember, there's a connection between obedience and devotion, right? And reverence for God. It also showed that they trusted God to provide enough crops to feed their family. So when they would, God saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enter into this covenant with you, and this is what I want. Every year, I'm going to give you the resources that you need. <clears throat> the Bible says that he gives seed to the sower, right? So God does not, God gives you the resources. He gives you the seed. He gives you the land. He brings the, he brings the, he brings the, the, the rain, right? So that you can cultivate the land. And then he gives you the health and energy to work the land. And the Bible says you work the land and then you're going to produce. And all I'm asking for is for you to give me 10%. But before you give me 10%, I want you to take that first harvest of whatever comes up and I want you to gather it and I want you to give it to me. And think about it. That's a lot, right? You, you didn't know how, how, how much you were going to harvest, but God says, I'm, I'm going I'm to bless you. You're going to harvest. But the first fruits, the, the very first crops that produce, I want you to bring to me. But you forget about all of the things that God gave you first that allowed that to happen. See, some of you already tuned me out like a whole week's salary. Oh, I'm not coming back to this church. That's a, they just want money here. Look at the pastor's shoes. For your information, I didn't buy these. I was blessed with these. 
God blessed me with two pairs, right? And I don't have to buy them. Why? Because I'm walking in the fullness of his blessing. I would never pay this amount of money for shoes. I wouldn't. But I'll let you give them to me. Right? Amen. They just want money. No. And, and, and you're forgetting, like, you're forgetting that it is God that gives you the sun. It is God that gives you the moon. It is God that gives you the energy. It is God that gives you the health. It is God that gives you the intellect, the ability to work. If God would have never given you first, then you would not be able to do what you're doing. You would not be able to produce what you're producing. And God is saying, because I've given you first, all I'm asking for is to take what I've given you and give it back to me first. Exodus 34, 26, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. Now, I don't know why it's in there, but just in case you might want to do this later at your cookout, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Okay, I'm just throwing that out. It's just depilon, right? I don't know if you're planning to do that later at your carne asada, but if you weren't, don't do it, Okay. But let's concentrate on the first part of the verse. He says, the first of the fruit, first fruits of your land you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. So I'm going to give you real quickly five benefits or five blessings of your first fruit offering. This is what your first fruit offering activates in your life. Number one is what I call comprehensive coverage. Jeremiah 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 3 says, Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who devoured her were held guilty, and disaster overtook them, declares the Lord. So, so God, God is saying, Israel, because they honored me with their first fruits, they honored me with their first fruits, that there, there was a, 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 a protection, there was a divine coverage. And, and those of you that understand insurance terminology, when you, when you have comprehensive coverage, it means that everything is covered. And so what God is saying, the first benefit or blessing of your first fruit offering is that you are walking into 2023 with an insurance policy that is going to cover your family, that is going to cover your children, that is going to cover your health, that is going to cover your wife, that is going to cover your husband, that is going to cover your finances. You walk in with a policy that at any moment you know that whatever strategy, attack, or the enemy that he has designed against you, it will not prosper. Why? Because you have activated the insurance policy in your life. There's a comprehensive coverage that comes with your first fruit offering. Number two, you have the right to ask for God's favor. Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 31. This is Nehemiah. He's with God. He's having a conversation, right? He's having a conversation. He says, I also made provision for contributions of wood at designated times and for the first fruits. Remember me with favor, my God. See, when you give your offerings, be God, your offerings become a memorial. When you go and you offer God your first fruits in the middle of the year, in June or July, things get hard. You can always go back say hey God I have a little request from you right now things look a little bit slim right now things are a little bit hard but remember on January 29th of 2023 I walked in and I said God I'm buying my I'm buying my insurance policy I'm activating the blessing on my life God I need a little bit of favor right now and the Bible says that your offerings become a memorial God looks to them and say oh I see that you are a fully devoted follower you're not just a consumer you're a contributor let me activate the blessing in your life. 
He activates that blessing. You have the right to ask for favor. Number three, you have access to the abundance of the kingdom of God. Jesus himself said, I came so that you could have life and you could have life more abundant. Abundance means more than enough. See, God doesn't want you just to live check to check. God wants you to be prosperous in abundance. Why? Because God needs you to bless others through your abundance. There's always purpose to the blessing. There's always purpose. But look at what he says, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of some of your, oh no, of all of your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. He's specifically talking about the offering of first fruits. He says, when you give me your first fruits and you honor me, because we don't give out of obligation, we give out of a place of worship, out of a place of honor. He's saying, when you honor me with your first fruits and you acknowledge me and say, God, you are first in my life, you are my sustainer, you are my source, you are not just my resource, you are my source. He's saying, when you honor me with your increase of your first fruits, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. See, the principle of first fruits, your first fruit offering activates the access to God's abundance in your life. And I'm not just talking about money. Yes, money will be involved. Yes, money will be involved. But God's abundance not only affects your finances, but affects every aspect and area of your life. There, there are people in this room right now that I could point out to you that when they started applying the principle of first fruits, they, they, they came from maybe other churches, other places. There's a single mom who was living on, 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 on public aid and public assistance that made a choice and decision. I'm going to begin to honor God. And guess what did God did? She honored God and God honored her. And she was able to break free from, from, from the, 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 the curse of poverty. And she's been able to walk in the fullness. And let me tell you, that lady is so generous. I've seen her give offering after offering, being a single mom. Why? Because God has blessed her with the abundance. It's not that she doesn't have need, but she learned the principle of first fruits. She learned the, 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 the principle of giving and sowing, and she has been blessed. There's a couple in this room, the first time we did first fruits, they had lost everything. They had a, they had a, a cleaning business and they had lost everything. They had lost their contract. They decided out of their heart, it wasn't much. It was just like a couple of hundred dollars that they had earned in one week and they gave that in their first fruits. And just a few weeks later, God reinstated their contract and they almost paid double than what they were making before. testimony after testimony people in the pandemic I know people in the pandemic that that struggled yes they did but I know people because of their 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 first fruits offering that God prospered them and blessed them like never before sold more cars and more houses like never before their businesses expanded like never before why because God is faithful to his word God's blessing is not contingent on what's going on around you is contingent on whether or not you have the mantle of God on your life Number four, God blesses the rest. See, your first offering is giving God the first portion. See, there's a reason why God only asks for 10%. Is because 10 represents the whole. Every numerical system in the world 
comes in groups of 10. You get to 10, and what do you do? You start over. And so when, when God apply, or, or implemented the tithe, he says, I want you to give me the tithe, the 10% of your increase every week or biweekly, however you get paid. He didn't just pull a number out of thin air. God pulled out that number because 10 represents the whole. So what God is saying is if you give me the 10%, which represents the whole, I, mean, I don't need you to give it all to me. All I need is for you to give me the 10%. Because when you give me the 10%, 10 represents the whole. So I'm going to bless you like if you gave it all. Think about that for a moment. God is not asking you for all 52 weeks. And let me tell you, God has every right to ask for all 52 weeks of your paycheck. What's your salvation worth? What's your healing worth? What's your, what, what, what's the, your, your kid's salvation worth? Man, think about it. How much you would, you would pay to have your health. Just a couple of weeks ago, we saw a bunch of millionaires gather on their knees and pray for a young man on a football field. All their millions couldn't help him, but they realized the only person that could help was God. I had a prayer meeting on national TV. In that moment, I bet all those millionaires would have been happy to give all of their millions see a miracle, but they realized that the miracle wasn't in their money. The miracle was in God. And so when, when, when we give God the 10% or we give God the first, God is saying, I, I, I'm not asking for all 52 weeks. Just give me one week. And if you give me one week, I'm going to bless 50, all 51 weeks that you have. God's like, I, I don't need it. Don't bring it all. Just give me one week. You give me one week, I'm going to bless it like you gave it all to me. Now, that's a pretty good deal, right? You know, the first time I ever heard of first fruits, I was like some of you. I was like, oh, that's not of God. I've never heard that before in all my life as a church, and I grew up in church. I was a PK, and I was serving with my father-in-law, um, and, and they, they would honor the principle of first fruits every year. They do their first fruits offering and stuff. And, and I was like, oh, that's not of God. And, and, and let me tell you, I was making a lot of money. I was a youth pastor making $250 a week. I know, I was banking, I was balling, man. 250 not G's, like $250, right, a week. And, I was, and, and talk about living paycheck to paycheck, full-time ministry, full-time youth pastor slash assistant pastor slash janitor. That was my official title, um, and anything else that needed to be done in the church, cut the yard, landscaper, I did it all, plumber. And so he's like, you're going to have to, you know, we do this. And I said, that's not of God. And so he sat me down and he took me through all of the principle and the scriptures. And at the end of the day, I mean, I couldn't deny that, that it was there. And, and so, you know, we, we started to do that. And I'm going to be honest, I did it out of obligation. I did it out of submission and surrender to my authority, to my pastor, to my leader, I didn't do it with my heart, and I probably didn't get a lot of blessing because, remember, God looks at why you do it and not what you do, but I did it out of there. And, you know, either way, I, I believe God probably, you know, blessed us anyway. But then later on, we got transferred to a different church, and we started working at a different church, and, uh, and we were youth pastors at a church in San Antonio, and they didn't do first fruits. And I was like, Yes. So Sandra comes, and she said, well, you know, January, we got to give our first fruits. I'm like, but they don't do that here. That's at the old church. We're not there anymore. We've been delivered, right? 
Yeah, but you know, but you know, right? How many of you know that you're responsible for what you know, right? To whom much is given, much is required. And just because they don't do that here, that doesn't, that doesn't take away the responsibility of what we know is right before God. But they don't do that here. So at that time, we were making $200 a week. We were banking, I know, I know. And we gave our first fruits that week. And it's not an exaggeration. We had some milk. We had some cereal. We had a can of Spam and a loaf of bread. That's all we had. We were living by faith, early years of the ministry. And I'm looking at the first fruits, and I'm like, God, we, we ran out of money on Thursday, right, of last week. And so I'm just letting you know I'm the boss, okay, but we did what she said. And we gave the first fruits. Once again, probably didn't do it the right way. God showed me something. Literally, I remember that Monday, and I, no offense, but I don't like spam. It's not my cup of tea. Yes, I know. So she's like, well, what are we going to eat? So she, well, I got some spam. She opened the spam, started slicing it. And she started frying it. When all of a sudden, we get a knock at the door. And it's some neighbors, some friends from the church. They live in the same apartment complex. What are y'all doing? Oh, we're about to have dinner. Oh, what are y'all going to eat? Oh, we're just making some spam. Oh, we love spam. Can we have some? And I'm like, 